0: Welcome to the Thrive City Church podcast. My name is Pastor Ben, and I'm so grateful that you have decided to check us out. At Thrive City Church, we want you to experience a thriving life with Jesus. Wherever you are listening from, we hope that you find this message hopeful and encouraging. Hey, what's up church? I'm so thankful that you've decided to join us this morning. If we have not yet had a chance to meet, my name is Pastor Ben. I'm the lead pastor here at Thrive City Church. But this morning I want to introduce to you a good friend of mine. His name is Pastor Jordan Carter. He serves faithfully over at Abundant Life Christian Center. There's some good friends of ours. He also serves as a pastoral overseer here at Thrive City. And what that means is he is a source of encouragement and guidance and accountability. Uh, He has been a good friend of mine for a while, and I'm so excited for what he has to say to us this morning, what God is going to say through him. Pastor Jordan has offered uh, so much great wisdom and spoken such truth into my life and I'm so incredibly glad that he has offered to spend some time with us this morning. So I would ask you to lean into the next couple moments that we have together that you would grab your Bible, you would grab a notebook and you would prepare to hear what God has to say through Pastor Jordan this morning i'm just going to begin our time together in a word of prayer jesus we thank you Uh, we thank you that we are not alone in this that we have the support of other pastors and other churches in this journey together god i thank you for pastor jordan I i thank you for the passion that you have put on his life and i ask that he would be able to clearly communicate the things that you have given him to say God, I thank you. I thank you for the things that you are doing through Thrive City. We thank you for the ways in which you are at work and the growth and the excitement and the momentum that we are seeing. we thank you and praise you in Jesus' name, amen. All right, I have talked enough. I'm gonna pass this over to Pastor Jordan. Let's go.
1: Drive Thrive City Church, my name is Pastor Jordan Carter, and I am from Abundant Life Christian Center, and I am so honored to be here preaching to you guys this weekend. Uh, pastor Ben is an amazing man of God. He's a personal friend of mine, and you guys have an amazing pastor. Let me tell you, Pastor Ben, to start a church in the middle of a COVID-19 pandemic, with all the unrest that we have going on in our world, The fact that Pastor Ben was brave enough to make this vision come to fruition speaks to the character of the man and the fact that not only that, but let's get personal. His wife, Tina, is pregnant with their first child. He's giving birth to two babies, (laughs) two babies at the same time. Um, My dad's the pastor of Abundant Life, Pastor John, and I was born in a church plant. My dad had his first service in his living room with 10 people and he preached from a microwave cart without any marketing or anything like that. And I was born the very next day. So as the church has been raised, so have I. So I know what it's like to be a part of a church plant. I know what it's like to be a part of something new that you're building something up. Now I was little, but I remember the different buildings we went into. And this is a whole different kind of building because you are in your house, (laughs) watching with other people. And the amount of bravery and courage it takes to start this in this season is nothing but God. So I want to encourage all of you, Thrive City, that you have an amazing pastor and you, you have amazing pastors and both Pastor Tina and Ben. They're amazing people. And I am honored to be a part of this church, to help them, to advise them, and to see this church be a catalyst for kingdom work in this city. You guys are a part of something amazing. You guys are a part of something powerful. You guys are part of, a, of the genesis of some important change that's going to happen in this city. So get excited about that. I encourage you, dive in with both feet into this church. Go all in. Don't, don't have trepidation. Don't, don't half commit. Listen, to get this thing to where God's called it to be, go all in, yeah. all in. Like I'm saying like, serve, give everything you got. And I promise you something, that God sees all of that. That when you give yourself, when you give of your time, your talent and your treasure to something that God is building, Man, God doesn't forget that and favor and blessing and all kinds of things will be upon your life. I promise you that. So this is an endorse, an internal endorsement for Pastor Ben Thrive City. But, and I'm from Abundant Life. I'm all about kingdom, right? Capital K Kingdom. It's not just about a church or this church or how this church is doing and that church is doing. It's about the church, the kingdom of God as heaven on earth as it is in heaven, that God's will for his people is to come to know him in whatever devices, whatever way that we can do that, whether it's, whether it's in person with a, lot, with a large group of people or whether it's right here, right now through this camera. God has a purpose for this church. He has a purpose for the church. And we, we, we're always better together. You want to go fast, go alone. You want to go far, go together and I believe that the kingdom of God needs to go far, that we are a part of a legacy of thousands of years that one man named Jesus started with a handful of disciples, and that we are a part of this incredible legacy of of love, of grace, of mercy, of redemption, of the abundant life that only comes through knowing Jesus that we as people can thrive, no matter the season, if we but hold fast and put our anchor into the one thing that always remains steady, the rock. And Jesus said, upon this rock, I will build my church. So put your faith in that, Put put your hope in that, stand firm, build this place. Even in this crazy season, and that's what my message to you is about today. This message is called Qualities Needed for Trials. I wish I could come up with a fancier, more cool name, but I couldn't think of one. So this is what it is. That's exactly what I'm going to teach on. So as I'm sure you are all experiencing, this season of life is unlike any I've experienced in my 30 years. I'm sure if you're older and you're older than me and you're watching this, that you're that it may even be the same for you, that this may be something unprecedented. People are calling this uncharted. They're calling this uh, never before seen, never before experienced. People are trying new things. This has caused challenges uh, in so many different arenas of life, different than I think that most people have ever experienced before because our mental capacities are challenged with all of the stresses of things happening all over the world. There's everything that's trying to call for our attention. There's, there's political unrest. There's economic unrest. There's a health crisis, a global pandemic that's causing unrest. There's, there's social unrest based on historical social justices that need to be met and need to be taken care of. All of these things are happening at once and they're coming to a head, and it's stressful. <laughs> it's stressful. No matter where you are in your life right now, whether you work in the church, whether you work in business, whether you work anywhere, you're experiencing a level of stress that that mankind as a whole, as a collective, may have not experienced in the same way before because the it's a confluence of many different things all at one time. It's been hard for me. I want the freedom to go where I want, when I want, with how many people I want to hang out with. I want those freedoms back. This is abnormal. In some ways, this season is inhuman. I can't hug some of the people I love. <laughs> right before standing up here, I, I saw I saw Tina and I was like, I want to give you a hug, but I, okay, fine. Here's an elbow. It's awkward. It's weird. It's strange. And this is the world we live in. Seeing people with masks on. The fact that my one and a half year old son, one of the first words that he said out of his mouth, he looked at my face and goes, mungsk, which is mask. That was one of the first words he ever said. I said, what kind of world are we living in? It, seems, it feels that we're untethered, that we're kind of wandering like in a wilderness of, of uncertainty of not knowing what the next thing is. And when we're trying to plan for our future, it's hard because it's like we're grabbing onto things that are translucent that we can't quite hold on to. (laughs) If anybody knows how hard it is to plan something in uncertainty, it's you guys in this church right now. (laughs) But in the midst of all of this, God is with us and he's for us and he knows the desires of our heart, and he knows that what we need, and we're not alone. Then in the midst of this trial, God is doing something in us to take us to another place. And this has been his historical pattern over years and years and years. Throughout scripture, he took the Israelites through the wilderness. Why? Because they couldn't experience the greatness of the promised land without the character they needed to be built within them. In the wilderness. So, what is the purpose of this long middle, this land in between, this awkward space between where we were and where we will one day be, and the future that is uncertain and it may not look like our past? It may look very different than what we knew, as people have called it, the new normal. We find ourselves in this awkward place of wandering. So the question is, what is God trying to do in us? Because if he is sovereign and all-knowing and all-powerful, he's in control and there's something he wants to do in the life of the believer to prepare us for that new normal, to prepare us for the promised land, to to prepare us for the next stage of our evolution as a church and and as Christians. For the message stays the same, but the method may change. But to perform the method, sometimes there's things in us that need to be worked out of us in order for us to do it effectively. The scripture I want to share with you that kind of brings this together and it tells us how what, what we should do in trials. And You've probably heard this before if you're all a churchy person, and if you're not, enjoy it. And then a little later down in the scripture, we're going to talk about some tools that it gives us as to how to handle hard seasons and hard times. So James chapter one, verses two through four. And it says this, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. So, what is this season building in us? That the testing of our faith produces patience. It's, it's this idea, patience. In the Greek is this word that it's 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 active endurance. It's that we're enduring something. He produces this ability to stand strong, to withstand. It weeds it weeds out all the things that are unnecessary to get us to the core of what's important. Because it says, But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. So there's certain things that a trial does that makes us complete and perfect and lacking nothing for the next season. That where we are right now may be exactly where God wants us to be. Because in this season, he's doing something. He's he's tearing off of us the things that are not important. He's making us focus on the things that are. The fact that we've put... A lot of times, the lights and the cameras and the fog and all these things in the contemporary Western church on this idol, God saying, Maybe for a moment, you can't go in those spaces. Maybe for a moment, you have to do church at home in community with other people. Maybe for a moment, I want you to focus on the words, not all the flashy things that that other churches can do. Not this, not the children's ministry, not this or that thing, but I want you to focus on the word of God, the voice of God. What are we doing? How to be patient, how to be still, and know that He is God. How to be present in the moment and not, and not wandering and, and pining for the elsewhere. That there's things that God needs to do in your life now, in my life, right now. In order, He's building in us character. But a lot of times, me included. <laughs> Exhibit A right here. We want to win the race without the grind of practice. We want the fruit without the pruning. We want to meet our purpose without the pain of the process. And God's God's purpose in the process is to build within us the integrity we need for the other side. The integrity we need for the other side. Proverbs 10.9 says, People with integrity walk safely. But those who follow crooked paths will be exposed. What will they be exposed to? And why does integrity allow us as Christians to walk safely? Because God is building in us character, this integrity, just like a house that's built on a good foundation. Why is it important? Because it allows it to withstand the demands of whatever reality it's facing. Integrity is the ability to meet the demands of reality. If a house is built well, no matter the wind, the waves, whatever may come against it, it will stand firm. Why? Because it was built in a way that has integrity. It was built in a way where one beam can be in another beam. It was, archit- it, was, it was built with architecture. To withstand whatever demands reality throws at us, and right now there are all kinds of demands our reality is throwing at us, all kinds of things to get angry about, to get sad about, to get frustrated with, to uh, to to, to uh, pursue that aren't the things of God. It's a mix of the holy and the profane. It's a mixture of things, and it becomes difficult to know what's right and what's wrong when all of these voices and all of their biases are telling us what to believe. But God wants us in this season to get a little closer to Him so that we can listen to Him, so He can build within us the character that we need to meet the demands of whatever the reality around us throws at us. Because what is... Darkness, but the absence of light. Darkness can't exist if light exists. Darkness only exists when light doesn't exist. And God wants to build in us a light that can shine brightly and shine away the darkness that no matter what is around us, what is in us is greater. So God, there's a purpose for this land in between. There's a purpose for this long middle to build the character in us to meet the demands of the reality around us. Because God has a purpose for you. He has a future for you. David, at the age of 17, got his calling to be king of Israel. Read about it in Samuel. He didn't experience the throne until he was in his late thirties, early forties. In the time in between, the promise and the purpose lived. He was a refugee, he was chased, he experienced highs and he experienced lows. He experienced depression, he was in a cave. Imagine that. From the time you were young, you were promised this purpose. Yet you find yourself in a moment in a circumstance that looks nothing like the goodness that God promises us in scripture. (laughs) When we hear the God say, oh, God is good. And yet we're sitting in the midst of our own pain, feeling judged, feeling shame. In those cave moments that David might've been in, hiding as a refugee, Imagine his mindset in that moment. Imagine Paul in scripture, his mindset when he was found in the Philippine jail. God promised that he would deliver the gospel to all kinds of people and be a success. Yet he found himself in jail, beaten with rods. Not experiencing the goodness of God in that moment. Yet, God was doing something in him to prepare him for what his purpose and destiny was. The cave prepared David for the crown. Whatever cave you may be in in your life right now, whatever trial, count it joy. Just as Paul did in that prison, in the book of Acts, when he sang, And the the light in him was greater than the darkness around him because a truth in him transcended the darkness around him. He put his anchor in a truth that was more relevant to him, that was more real to him than any reality that he was facing. That the truth that the God in him is bigger than the challenges around him. So in the midst of his pain, where his feet were beaten with rods, he began to sing unto the Lord, and begin to thank him. And in that moment is when the jail opened up miraculously and he was able to walk out. Because the light in him was more powerful than the darkness around him. That in David's Psalms, when he writes, he writes about how hard the season is. He even said, God, have you abandoned me? But then he reminds himself and he, and he speaks words to the dark places of his heart. He says, but God, even though I'm here, I know that you are good and I anchor myself. I put my character and my integrity in the one truth that transcends all of my circumstance, that God is good even when times are bad. My grandfather was um, an evangelist he would, but not like a major one that he would, like you would see in some like documentaries that would go do big crusades. He would go door to door. I remember when I was a kid, he was at a red light. His name was Grandpa Bob. He would be at a red light and he would get out of the car and he would take a track out of his shirt pocket. A day the King's son died, red track. And he would go up to someone in the car next to him at a red light. And I was in the car. This is illegal by the way, I don't suggest it. But he would go up to people And he would hand them a tract and look in their eye and say, I want you to know that Jesus loves you and has a plan for your life. I promise you he'll change your life. Now, I feel like if I would do that, someone would look at me like I was crazy. But with his beady blue eyes, you look into people's hearts and God gave them a gift to speak truth to people. And I watched people at a stoplight start crying. It's not safe, but God met them in the middle of a stoplight. And I remember this one time where we were in a Burger King and you know I was little, so he was paying and I, we were going up to the register and they asked me what I wanted and I told him I want a Whopper. And then it came time to pay and then I looked, turned to my right and he's gone. I'm like, well, I don't have money. So I start, excuse me one second. And I ran around the restaurant and found him. What do you know? He was talking with a woman with tears running down her face, sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with her. And I said, Grandpa, why do you do that? <laughs> Why do you do that? Like, what, what motivates you to talk to strangers? He looked me in the eye. He said, Jordan, he got down on one knee, he looked me in the eye and he said, because I've never gotten over the fact that God would save a wretch like me. And I have to share this treasure with anybody who will listen. And in that moment, I began to understand something. My grandfather was a man that was, he was in the Navy, a boxer. He was, he was a, a, t- a rough and tough dude, was not a Christian. And God met him and forgave him of his sins. And he felt the grace that only comes through Jesus Christ It changed his life forever. And through that, he began to share with people and love on people and and he he, he, he never forgot the fact that God would do that for him and he had to share with others. So what are the qualities we need during these trials? What do we need to get through it? Because now we're in it, we understand the purpose of it, right? The purpose is that God is building character and He's building integrity and He's preparing us for, he's, he's get, we're in the cave so that we can earn the crown. We're in this season of challenge for a reason though. So, what are the qualities that we need in order to get through this trial? Well, thankfully, the Bible answers this too. If you read a little further down in James chapter 1, verse 19, it says this So then, my beloved brethren, let every man, there's three things, be swift to hear number one slow to speak and slow to wrath three instructions for how we for the qualities that we need to have in times of trial two of them are restraint one of them is action-oriented so let's start with the first one that's action-oriented So while we're in the wilderness, while we're wandering in the land in between, this is what God asks us to do. So first of all, be quick to listen. What does it mean to be quick to listen? It's to gain understanding before being understood. And mind you, what are we seeing right now in our world, even in Christian circles and churches and people that should know better? What are we seeing? We're seeing the opposite of this. For every plan and purpose that God has for us, the enemy has the opposite. He just perverts what God says is good. He says it's bad. So be swift to hear, quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to wrath. All these things are things that we're not seeing in other people and things that I haven't even seen sometimes in myself. Yet these are the qualities we need to get through. So quick to listen, it's to understand, to take in what is around you and listen to it before before you say you're, your judgment, before you lay judgment upon another person, before you lay the bias of your own experience upon somebody else, to take a moment and be swift to hear. This is an action. It's like lending your ear to somebody and saying, hold on, I see life a certain way, but your history, the the experiences that you've been through has caused you to see life from a completely different vantage point. So before I say anything, Before I seek to be understood, let me lend my ear to you and be quick to listen to your perspective. What formulated the point of pain in your life? What formulated this view of the world, even if it's different than mine, even if I've never seen the world that way? And boy, could we use this in our conversation around social justice and inequity and equality, around race, a moment to seek to listen before speaking. And mind you, this is the first instruction of the three, to be swift to hear before we speak. It's important that we do this in two ways. One, that we listen to what people are saying and why they are saying it. Not just what they're saying, but behind every behavior, there's always a story. Behind every behind every. Uh, major opinion, there's a reason that opinion was formulated in a person's soul. So understand why it exists. And then maybe we can have more empathy towards one another, understand one another and come to a place of understanding of why you may come to that position. And maybe even some of the blindness that I may have towards your own experience that I could not possibly see everything that you see because I experienced life differently than you have experienced life based on my, the color of my skin, based on the, the way I was raised, the, the, the resources that I had in my life when I was raised. All of that formulates the perspective of the world you have. So before you go spouting out your opinions to everybody, this says be swift to hear because in the process of being quick to listen, we gain understanding and understanding builds our character. It builds the foundation of our house that we may be able to meet the demands of whatever reality is throwing at us so that when somebody else says something that contradicts our worldview, that we don't just judge them and disregard them and throw their opinion to the wayside and say it doesn't matter, that we don't be polarized, but that we go across our out of our own entrenchment to the other side and say, hold on, why do you think that way? I'm seeking to understand, I want to hear you. I want to listen. The other thing is to listen for what what is God doing? What are people saying? And why are they saying it? And what is God doing? To be still and know that he is God. To take those private moments of prayer. Shut everything off. Turn off IG and Facebook and everything else. (laughs) And just have a moment with God of peace. Where you're listening to the Father, where you're lending your ear to Him and saying, God, what are you doing in me in this season? What are you building in me? What is the purpose of this cave so that I may be ready for whatever crown you have for me? The second thing is being slow to speak. Being slow to speak takes patience, and this is restraint. So the only action is the first one, quick to listen. After that, it's two things of restraint. It's slow to speak. Holding back our words for when only they are necessary. If life and death, as the scriptures say, are in the power, are, are, are in the power of the tongue, if we can speak life and death to things, if, the, if our tongue carries that much power, then wasting our words is wasting life-giving opportunities that every time we say idle words or we speak death to something or that we or that we're wasting our words away and saying things without listening first we're literally wasting life-giving opportunities to speak life to things that are dead to speak hope to places that have no hope to speak mercy to places that need mercy and grace and forgiveness we are either building up or tearing down with what we choose to say so being slow to speak is key, and it works hand in hand with being quick to listen. It's not that we shouldn't speak. It's not that we shouldn't even have opinions. It's not that we shouldn't have uh, causes to fight for, but it's that we should be slow to react, quick to listen, so that we may be, so that we may speak more accurately, so that we may speak with understanding, with empathy, with a common. Concern for our humanity and one another, for, common, for a common concern in the God in you and the God in me and that God we're all God's children. This is what being slow to speak means. When we're slow to speak, we may hear things that are important so that we may say things that speak life and that bring understanding and that bring a wealth of knowledge and information in life to those that are around us, and to the things in life that come against us. Patience, patience, patience. This looks like stepping back in the times of wilderness when you get frustrated, when you get angry about the situation that you're in and saying, hold on, let me listen first. Okay, now I'm gonna say something, but make your words mean something. And then the third thing is slow to wrath. Wrath is a very extreme emotion. It's anger, it's frustration. So this is saying, be slow to wrath, which means be slow to emotional highs and lows. So how do we modulate our emotional highs and lows? Cause this is challenging. We get angry sometimes and that's okay. We get sad sometimes by the weight of the world around us. And you may be watching this right now. And some of the events in your life currently may have made you sad may have made you, maybe made that cloud of depression hang over your head. Maybe it's caused anxiety and sleeplessness in your nights. Maybe you've been angry because of injustice, because you see what's happening in others that it could happen to you. And maybe through some of your own experiences, you have experienced injustice and inequality and challenge and and, and false judgment and assumptions being made about your character without ever getting to know who you are. And that's hard. It's hard to modulate that, to be slow to wrath, to be angry but sin not, as the scripture says. So how do we do this? Well, first of all, when we have these emotions, it's important that we don't bury them. The answer is not to bury our emotions. Because the emotions that we bury, the pain that we bury, the shame that we bury, the anger that we bury, the sadness that we bury, does not remain buried and stagnant in the ground, but it toxifies the soil of our souls over time in life. And then as life goes by, if we keep burying the things, the emotions that come up, without allowing ourselves to experience them in a healthy way, it comes out sideways in your marriages and the way that you parent you may have seen this in people in your family. You may even notice some things in your life right now that are happening because of these emotions that you've buried. And when emotions are un- when emotions are buried, when they're unprocessed, imagine it's like a computer in your mind, which is the RAM, which is random access memory. It's what your mind uses to do life. It's the quick things it needs. It's the quick information it needs and when you have unprocessed shame pain trauma guilt sadness anger it stays in your ram and clouds your judgment so what do we have to do we have to look at emotions like the gift that they are god gave us emotions and it's not and they have utility to them as 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 unutilitarian as some people may think that they are they are a gift emotions are a gift to us so that we may experience Reality as it comes may process the good and the bad so that we may celebrate with joy when good things happen and grieve with sadness when bad things happen. It's tools for us to integrate our reality and experience the world around us. And when we do this, when we integrate our reality and we combine that we hold the good and we hold the bad and we're okay with both, It moves our emotions from our RAM to our hard drive, and then we can revisit the memory without the same searing pain that it once caused or that it may be currently causing you. So how do we be slow to wrath? (laughs) It's challenging. But ways to process. You need to process your grief. If you've lost somebody, if one of you are watching right now and you've lost someone dear to you, and you're reeling from the shock of that, I encourage you to lean in and process this grief with a safe person, with counsel, with a a dear friend. You need help. You're not meant to process these things alone. We're made for relationship. Go Go to Pastor Ben. He's a safe person. Go to Pastor Tina. Open up the chest of things that have caused wrath in your life, whatever that may be, high high emotional lows and highs, and allow God to work on those things to bring straightness to the crooked places, to bring healing to brokenness. They're safe people. And I pray that you even get more safe people in the confines of this church. That as you do small groups, you meet people that you can share your life with, that you could do life with, that you can say, hey, you can call someone up. And you can say, hey, I'm having a really hard time right now. I need, I need to process some feelings. I need to move these things from my RAM to my hard drive. And if you do this, I promise you that it'll help you. I had this person in my life. His name is Addison. Sometimes I just call him if I'm frustrated by something in the day and, he, and he, he doesn't necessarily have to fix it for me. He'll just hold it for me. That's all. Sometimes you just need someone to hold those things so that you may process them out loud so you're not burying it, but you're exposing it so that it may work through you, through your RAM, into your hard drive so that you can live the most emotionally healthy and balanced life as possible. To use the gift of feelings as a, as a mechanism and as a utility to process our reality. So, God is building in us something new. He's giving us character, he's building in us integrity. He's doing hard things in us so that we may be ready for the next thing. We're in we can be in a cave of life, but the cave is the working of God to build in us the things we need for that crown. And we need to be quick to listen, to understand. We need to be slow to speak and have patience. We need to be slow to wrath and attune to our own feelings and process them as they come so that we may be the most healthy version of ourselves so that when that next season does come, that we can wear the weight of the crown with strength, with dignity, with courage, and with integrity. God is giving us in this season the integrity to meet the future demands of reality. So I encourage you, lean into it, be a part of it, hold on to it, and put your anchor in Jesus. Put your anchor in the local church. Put your anchor in God. Even if your circumstances demand all kinds of things of you, if they make you feel a certain way, center yourself in God. For he shall never abandon you, he shall never leave you, he shall never forsake you and His grace and His mercy is sufficient to cover you and to give you the strength and to build in you the integrity so that you may live the abundant life, so that you may thrive in your life. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'm just gonna say a quick prayer for you guys, then we'll close it out. Father God, I thank you so much for what you are doing in this church, for what you're doing in Thrive City, Father. Lord, I pray for every person watching this right now, Father. Lord, I pray that you bless them, Father. Lord, you make your face shine upon them and be gracious to them, Father. Lord, give them peace. Peace, peace, peace in the midst of the storm, Father. No matter what times may come, as hard as they may be, Father, Lord, I pray that everyone watching, myself included, may anchor ourselves in you, Father. That Lord, you are good even when times are bad, Father. That Lord, that we recognize that in the cave, in the process, you are building us for our purpose, Father. That the pain of the process has purpose for our destiny. So Lord, I pray for favor, for peace right now in the name of Jesus, from the top of their head to the sole of their feet. Peace, 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 peace in Jesus' name.
0: Amen. Thank you so much for listening today. We want to empower you to take the next step towards a thriving life with Jesus. If you're looking to get more connected, head over to our website, thrivecity.church slash connect. Tell us a little bit more about yourself, and we would love to connect with you.